First Chronicles chapter 29, and I will read from verse number 1 through to 5 when you get there. Uh, if you'd like to stand just out of respect for God's word, I will read verse 1 to 5, First Chronicles chapter 29. I'll pray, and then we'll get into the Bible. The Bible says in verse number 1, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, uh, glistering stones and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the for the holy house, even 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses withal, the gold for things of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Let's pray to the Lord now. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for the fact that you are almighty, that you are holy, and yet, Lord, you are loving, you're merciful, Lord, and you, you died on the cross for each one of us. And I thank you not only that, Lord, but you've, you've given us uh, not just the opportunity to be saved and to be part of your family, but you've given us uh, a part in your eternal plan. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you that you died for it. I thank you for allowing us to meet, Lord, and allowing us to come and visit and uh, meet your people here in Balancholic. I pray, Lord, though, most importantly, that you would speak to hearts today. Lord, please take the words, take the verses, and use it to accomplish your will in our lives. I pray that we would not just, to be, just be hearers of the word, but that we, be, we would be doers also. I pray you would make changes in lives. Lord, you know what is needed. Lord, and I ask that you would accomplish your will in our lives so that you might be glorified. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. For those of you who, who don't know me and um, my family, I'll just uh, tell you a little bit very briefly. Um, uh, this is my wife, my wife Bethany. Um, I, uh, I was born and raised in Dunmore East County, Waterford, or just outside in the country. Um, my wife wasn't. Uh, she is from uh, Ontario in Canada. Um, so we were from uh, totally different parts of the world, but the Lord just, uh, the Lord brought us together and uh, it is God's, God's will. We've got three uh, uh, children. Um, we can see them beside us. So Luke is nine, uh, Keen is six, and Roisin is, is four. So that's our family we live. Uh, we live in um, the very, very, if you look on the map of Dublin, the very, very northern tip of County Dublin uh, is where we are, and um, pastoring in, in Swords uh, just, just by the airport. Um, 
growing up in uh, County Waterford and as a probably like many many of you were um, as a Catholic um, I really I was not I was not disillusioned with the Catholic Church at all what I was as a younger person was a was a thinker um, as I sat in mass we went to mass every week uh, I would I would listen a little bit anyway I listened a little bit anyway to some of the things that were said and and try and think okay he's that's what's been said do I that's what I'm saying when we pray do I believe that um, they believe in, the, um, in our hearts uh, one God Father the Almighty I would go do I believe that is that something that I believe so I was um, I was a bit of a thinker uh, when I, I left school I went to college in Dublin as you said I'm stuck there ever since um, I went to go to college in Dublin and uh, in my last year of college uh, somebody in, in my class uh, witnessed to me uh, told me how they had gotten saved and again that got me thinking uh, it got me uh, thinking about my relationship with God I started to bring home the the leaflets from mass and read the readings on them um, and as I was walking down college one day in, in UCD um, there was a man there with a big a big box um, and he was just like um, your illustration earlier on he was what he was doing he was passing out bibles little new testaments little gideon's new testaments he was passing those out and i said there and then i said lord that uh, you sent that that guy that man there for me um and i took it and i started to to read the bible um in the meantime as i started to read it as was what stood out to me was how what shocked me was how clear it was, how black and white the Bible was. I thought it would be vague, um, hard to understand, but as I read it, it was like, wow, God says these things. It is, it was, much of it was very simple to read, simple to understand. Um, but I had questions, um, and I would, um, in the meantime, I met uh, the, the missionary, as uh, Pastor Leverett said, the missionary who was in, in Dublin, and I went to the church there, visited for um, a testimony meeting where somebody gave their testimony how they got saved but I was not somebody who believed easily um, I was uh, trained as an accountant and accountants are uh, skeptical and conservative and they have to have everything add up together and uh, uh, I had to be sure everything added up in this book uh, so I did not believe easily um, and I started to read my Bible every day uh, every day for about six months I, I read my Bible um, and asked questions. Um, I would uh, ask questions of uh, uh, the girl in my class who had witnessed to me, of uh, the, the missionary as well. But you know the, the real reason why it took me six months to get saved of reading my Bible, I, I saw the truth fairly quickly. I saw the truth that salvation was not of works, lest any man should boast. I saw the truth that it was a free gift. It was nothing that I could do. I saw those things reasonably quickly, but I didn't get saved reasonably quickly. And the, the honest truth of why I did not get saved uh, quickly was because really what mattered to me was what people thought of me. I was worried about what would, what would my family think of me? What would my friends think of me? What would, what would people think of me if I go against what I was raised with? I go against what, you know, what, what the country used to stand for. What will people think of me? 
That was what mattered to me. And you know what? When I got saved, the reason I got saved was, you know, I realized that I was on my way to hell. And I was so frightened, so scared of hell. I would pray, this was as a 19, 20-year-old college student, I would pray each night before I went to sleep, I would pray, Lord, don't let me die in my sleep because I know I'll wake up in hell if I do. But even at that point, there was a stage for a few weeks where that fear wasn't enough because I was still, it mattered more to me what people thought of me or what people would think of me if I got saved. You know, the reason I got saved was when that fear of hell mattered more to me than what other things that mattered to me, about what people thought, about what people would, would say. Do you understand when, excuse me, when something is important to you, when something matters to you, it impacts your whole life. When something really, really matters to you, it impacts your whole life. It impacts what you do. It impacts where you go. The places you go are impacted by what is important to you. It impacts who you hang around, who your friends are, who you spend time with. If something is really important to you, it impacts what you spend your money on. It impacts what you read, what you listen to. When something really, really, really matters to you, it is important to you, it impacts your whole life. Everything about your life is impacted by what is important to you. So as you've been looking at missions this month and going to look some more today at missions, as you see the title of my message this morning is called When Missions Matters to You. When Missions Matters to You. So when missions matters to you, the first thing you're going to look at is the fact that when it matters to you, you appreciate its gravity. You appreciate the gravity of missions, how important it is, how serious it is. You know the, ver- the, uh, the verses we've just read in First Chronicles? What we read is the last words of King David to his nation. David is the king. David is somebody who has, who has got so much. He's got position. He's the king. He's in charge. He's got power. He can make decisions. He can influence people. He's got fame. He's the one that killed Goliath. They cheered and he was the hero. He's so famous. You even know about him today. Children who may not know about many other Bible characters, know about David. He's got fame that has lasted century after century, millennia. He's famous. David has got wealth. He's got a lot of wealth. He is a very wealthy individual. And he's got his health. He's not ailing health-wise. David here, as he's as he speaks to his country, to his nation, is somebody has got a lot of good going for him. 
He's got a lot of things in his life. I wonder if we had all of those things. We had everything that David had. Position, power, fame, wealth, health. If we had all of those things, what more would we want? If you had everything of that in your life, what would you be praying for? What more would you want in your life? See, you know, the Bible says that David is a man, was a man after God's own heart. And David had something, even though he had all these things, he had something that was more important to him. He had something else that he desired, something greater that he wanted to do. He wanted to bring glory to the God of heaven. Look in verse 3 there very uh, briefly, just the start of verse 3. The Bible says in verse 3, uh, 1 Chronicles 29, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. I have set my affection to the house of my God. Though David had all this wealth, though David has all this position, he has all this good things in his life, he set his affection on something else. He had another project waiting to happen. He had something else he was thinking about, something else he wanted to plan, something else he longed for, to do for the Lord, and that was to build a house for God. This wasn't just any old project. This was a project that really mattered to David. Look in verse 1 there. Let me read verse 1. It says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. He had a great work ahead of him. He had a great work that he planned, a great work that he had set his affection on. He longed to do this, and it was great, not just because of what it was, but more importantly, who it was for. It was for the house. It was for the Lord God. Turn back a few pages in your Bible, just to First uh, Chronicles chapter 22, verse 5. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 5. This is uh, David telling Solomon about this project and this, the house that he's about to build. And it says in verse 5, And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of the fame and of the glory throughout all countries, I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. This wasn't just throw up a few walls, give it, give it a bit of, small bit of time, got a bit of extra income left over, maybe we'll, we'll throw something together for God. He said, this must be exceeding magnificent. That is 
It must be amazing. It must be beautiful. It must, people must look at it and say, that is magnificent. Why? Because it was for, for God. It was to portray the magnificence of God. This was something that David had in his heart to do for the Lord. It was a great work. You know, when, when missions matters to us, and when missions matters to you, you understand that there is an even greater work than David was doing. There is an even greater work to be done for the Lord today. You know, when Jesus came to this earth, God Almighty came to this earth and lived and died within a very small section of the world. Within the country of Israel and that small time he spent in Egypt as a, as a baby. He lived and died in a very small area, geographical area of the world. And yet the Bible says he came to die for the sins of the world. So somehow though Jesus died in a, or lived and died in a very small area, the purpose that he came was for the whole world. Somehow the news, the message of Jesus, the message of why he came, what he did, had to get from the place he lived all the way around the world. You see, you can have, you can have people who are famous or people in their, their town think they're famous, but the guys 30 miles down the road never heard of them. You can be famous in a very small location. But Jesus, the message had to get known. The message of why Jesus came, of who he is, what he can do for you, had to spread from that location of Israel all the way around the whole world. Somehow, the Lord needed to get that message out. Do you understand that God is God? And that God could have used any method he wanted to get that message out. You know, the Lord could have chosen angels. He could have said, I want the angels to go and spread that gospel all around the world. He could have done so. Do you understand that God could have chosen donkeys? Didn't the Lord use a donkey to get a message across in the Bible? He could have got a lot of them. He got a whole host of them and spread them out all over the world, uttering words. He could have if he wanted. The Lord could have written the gospel in the clouds and the sky. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He could have chosen to write the message of the gospel in the clouds so that you look up and you see, wow, that's the gospel. That's it. I, will I believe or not? He could have gotten it to the whole world. God could have built a website. You say it wasn't the internet. He's God. He could have built it back then. He could have chosen any way or he, he wanted to get the gospel around the world. But the Lord chose a better way. 
Why is it a better way? Because it's his way. God's way is always the best way. And God chose a way that is the best way. Using three tools. Turn to a verse that you'll be familiar with because uh, you saw it a couple of minutes ago. Turn to Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, or let me read verse 13. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? That is a great question. How can you call on someone that you haven't believed? You can't. And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? Again, a great question. You cannot believe in someone you don't, you've never heard of. And it says, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And verse 15 says, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, that bring glad tidings of good things. The Lord chose a better way to that, get that message out. He chose to use four things. Number one, he chose to use the Word of God. Amen. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. He chose to use the Word of God. He chose to use somebody with the Word of God, a believer, Christian, someone like you, somebody who will take the Word of God and open their mouth. How shall they hear without a preacher? They needed to hear the words of God. So somebody needs to have the words of God and speak the words of God so that others can hear the words of God. And as Pastor Leviter explained, not only do you need a Bible and you need someone to go and preach, they need to be sent. You need a church that will send and encourage Help, assist, pray, give. They need that backup, that encouragement, that, that push. And they need the Holy Spirit. They need the Holy Spirit of God in them. Jesus left, he said, I'll send you another comforter. You need to be saved. You have the Holy Spirit in you. But we have the opportunity to get that message that was once in one local area to get it across the whole world. See, God chose not to put it in the clouds, not to write the Bible verses in the clouds. He chose not to use the angels. He chose not to use other things. He chose to use you and I. And God's ways are the best ways. I am so glad that the Lord has allowed us to have a part in doing His amazing plan of getting the gospel all around the world. It is a great work. It is a big work. You see, when missions matters to us, we appreciate its gravity. 
we appreciate how important it is. We appreciate how serious it is. We appreciate it is, it is the, the plan of God. It is the work of God. It is what is needed in, in lives here in Balancholic, in Cork, all around Munster and Ireland and to the uttermost part of the earth. It is what is needed. And God has chosen you and I to have a big part in that. So when you, when missions matters to you, number one, you appreciate its gravity. Number two, when missions matters to you, you accept its enormity. You accept just how, how big this project is, how big this job is. Turn back to First Chronicles if you've turned away. Uh, chapter 29, let me read verse 1 and 2. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord. And look at verse 2, it says, Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. And then he goes on and lists what he prepared, the gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver, etc. When missions matters to you, you, we accept the enormity of the task. First thing we understand that it is, it goes beyond our lives. The message of the gospel is, is bigger than my life. I'm not promised tomorrow. And knows not what a day may bring forth. But you know, but if the Lord doesn't come back, He's still, you'll be here and you'll preach the gospel. It goes beyond my life. See, David had great plans to build for the Lord. He had great plans to build that magnificent house for God, but he never did finish it. He never did get that work done for good reason. Why? Because God told him not to. So he set his affection on this project. He wanted to do it. God said, no, you're not going to do it. Look in, uh, back in chapter 22 again, verse 7. Uh, 1 Chronicles 22, verse 7. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 7, and I'll read down to verse 10. It says, And David said to Solomon, my son, As for me, it was in my mind to build an house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build an house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about. For his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness in Israel in his days. 
he shall build an house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. You see, David wanted to build this house for the Lord. He longed to build this house. He had this great project in his, in his mind, but God said no. God said, no, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it in your lifetime. There's somebody coming after your son Solomon. He will get to do it. Do you understand what David could have done at that point? He could have gotten very discouraged. Say, but I want to do this for you, Lord. It was my, my plan. I want to do it. He couldn't have gotten very discouraged. He could have gotten very bitter. That he wanted to do something for God and God said no. He could have given up. He could have said, well, if, if I can't do this in my lifetime, if I can't see the finish line and stand and look back and go, wow, it's for God. He could have said, if I don't, can't see the finish line in my lifetime, then I'm not going to do it. But what did he do? Look back in chapter 29, verse 2. Verse 2, he says, Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. You see, he didn't get so discouraged that he, he quit and he gave up. He says, I prepared with all my might. See, the Lord said, you're not going to finish. You're not going to get the job done. You're not going to see the, the finished product. But what you can do is prepare everything. Get all the plans together. And God gave him all the plans. He gave him the blueprint. And get all the materials together. And get everything ready so that Solomon, your son, can build the temple. And David didn't get discouraged by the fact that he couldn't do all that he wanted to do. He put his whole life and his whole heart into preparing with all his might, doing everything that he could, everything that God allowed him to, everything God told him to do. Why? Because he had a vision beyond his life. He understood that the job that he was doing was so enormous, so great, it was going to go beyond his life. He was going to die and his son was going to take up the baton and go on and keep on doing the work of the Lord. Keep on doing this great work. Maybe you have not achieved all that you wanted to achieve so far for the Lord. Don't let that discourage you to the extent that you do nothing from now on. Don't let that make you bitter. Prepare with all your might, just like David did. Do what you can. Do everything you can. Put all of your might, all of your efforts into doing what you can for the Gospel. What you can for missions. And understand that what you do now, you may not see all the fruits of it. You may not get to, to go to the place you thought God was going to send you to. 
but you may witness to somebody next door and they end up going. Or you may teach a Sunday school class and a child grows up and is the one to go. Do you understand? Missions doesn't start and end with, with me and my life. It goes beyond. Don't give up. If you get discouraged, don't quit. Do all that God allows you to. Do all that God gives to you. That is the reason that we hold the truth right here. Because people saw beyond their own life. Though they were martyred, they still stood firm for the truth, for the Bible, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they passed on truth and they kept on preaching. So they did not see all the fruit. Get a vision beyond your own life. Understand the enormity. Understand how long this goes for. Understand, secondly, in the enormity, that it goes beyond our own power. You saw in your memory verse in Acts 1.8, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You know, often when it comes to missions, when it comes to giving the gospel to somebody else, it is natural that we would say, I, I can't do it. I'm scared. I don't have all the words. I, I don't have all the answers. You understand you don't need all the answers. You don't need to wait until you're not scared. Because <laughs> you won't get to that point. And if you do, you won't be walking by faith. The Lord said, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We need to be obedient in going when God says to go in handing out that tract when the Lord tells us hand out the tract, in knocking on a door when the Lord allows us to knock on a door, speaking to a co-worker, being obedient and allowing the Lord to work through that, understanding that you and I may not be able to answer all the questions, but don't let that stop you from being obedient and walking by faith and giving them your testimony. Tell them how you got saved. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. The Lord will give you what you need when we go, when we take the step of faith, when we open our mouths, when we pass out a, a track. The Lord will give you what you need. But if we hide away in our homes saying, I can't do this, you won't do it. You see, it's not our power. The Lord will give you the courage. You shall you'll get the bold ask the Lord to give you boldness, to give you courage, to give you the, the strength to, to be able to go when you say, I don't want to. I'm uncomfortable. The disciples were after Jesus left, they were scared. They locked themselves away in a room. They were hidden away. These were not heading out to turn the world upside down, but they did. 
Why? Because the Lord gave them the power and they simply went by faith. They just did what God told them to do. And the Lord worked through them because they walked by faith. It's beyond your own power. And thirdly, accepting the enormity of missions, it is, it's beyond our own boundaries. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Do you know where the uttermost part of the earth is? In my mind, uh, we support, just like you do, the fetters. To me, Micronesia is the uttermost part of the earth. I never heard of it before uh, he came. Um, it is, to me, it's like a little dot in the middle of uh, the Pacific. And it's, to me, that's the uttermost part of the earth. And I've never been there. And I may never be there. And you may never go there. But the Lord uses somebody who the Lord said, you go there. And Brother Fetter is there. And the prayers in Portugal. Kish is in Hungary. The other missionaries you support. Missions takes the Gospel beyond where you and I physically can go. You can't be in all those places and still be here. But you can support and you can pray for and you can give and you can send others to go beyond your borders beyond your street beyond your town go to other places why because remember that gospel had to get from israel all around the world if everybody if all of those disciples said we're staying home and the people that they reached said, we're staying home. You know, it would not have traveled very far. Somebody was willing to get up and leave their country. Somebody else was willing to go with them and help them. And I'm so thankful they did because we live, probably for Micronesians, we probably live in the uttermost part of the earth. We live a long way from, from Israel. And yet the gospel got here. And the gospel reached me and the gospel reached you. It goes beyond your boundaries. When missions matters to you, you accept the, the enormity of the task. And finally, number, number three, when missions matters to you, you give abundantly. Abundantly. What do you mean? That means, means a lot. Look in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 3. David says, Moreover, because, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. What does he say? Because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the, house, for the holy house. 
And he goes on and lists in verse 4 some of those things that he's, he's given. When something is important to you, when something really matters to you, do you know, you understand that you spend your money on it? Whether that's a, a football team that you, you love and you support and you, you buy the jersey and you buy the season tickets and you pay for the plane tickets and you're over and back and when something really matters to you, you spend a lot of money on it. Whether that's said a football team, whether it's traveling, you love to travel and you pay for the flights and you pay for the hotel and you pay for the tours and you spend a lot of money on the things that you like the things that are important to you. Whatever it is that is important to you. Maybe your clothes. Maybe, again, where you go. Your house, your car. Whatever is important to you, you will spend a lot of money on it. David had this project that was important to him. It was very important to him. He set his affection on it. It was a great work, and because it was important to him, he says, I gave of my own proper good. I gave over and above. I gave beyond what I, what I had to do. I gave beyond what was given from the, the coffers of the, of the state. I gave of my own. I gave to the work of the Lord. When missions matters to us, we will give to us. We will give to see the gospel being put in the hands of a preacher who will go and preach the gospel. We will give. Why? Because it's important to us. We will spend money on what is important. Is the, is the gospel of Jesus Christ not just in your life, not just the fact that I got saved. And if you've never been saved, make today the day of salvation in your life. Simply receive the free gift. Ask the Lord Jesus to save you from your sin. He died for you because of you are a sinner, and I am a sinner. But the fact that I asked the Lord to save me on the 17th of May, 1999. That's important to me because, because it's me. I can be selfish and that's still important to me. Is the gospel so important to you that it is also important that other people hear? See, David didn't just want to make a house for himself. He wanted to make a house for God so that everyone could see and bring glory and glorify the Lord God. Is the gospel important to you so that you see it's important that other people hear about your Savior? Other people get the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord, maybe just like you did. Other people have the blessing of being in church just like you do and getting preaching and trained and helped so that they can do what? Go and send and be sent so that they can do what? So they can reach others and they do the same thing. And send and be sent. That's why we're here today because others have done that before us. 
Others have given. Others have been willing to go. Others have sent. Others have given abundantly, financially, so that you can have a missionary here in Cork. So that I can have the blessing of a missionary that, that was in Dublin when I, when I got saved. When something matters to you, you, you will spend a lot of money. You will give abundantly. Let me look at one last verse and we will finish. Verse number 5, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 5. It says, The gold for things of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And here's the question David asks, And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? He says, who's willing? He's like, I, I can't make this house. God told me, no, I'm getting ready to die. I'm, I'm done. I put my whole effort into it. I prepared with all my heart. Who else is willing? Are you willing to consecrate your service unto the Lord? Not just, I'll give him that little bit extra. Not just if I have a little bit of spare time, I'll, I'll give that little bit to God. Your service. If something matters to you, you'll give of your time. You'll give of yourself. You'll be willing to step out of your comfort zone to serve Him and get the Gospel. Are you willing to give of yourself? Are you willing to be a witness in your own area? Are you willing to, to hand out a, a tract? Even if you are nervous, to pass on a little message of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to pray for others? Are you willing to give up your time to come here and, or the other building on Wednesday and to pray for missionaries? Are you willing to pray? Or are you willing to be the one who goes? Are you willing to be the one who says, I will go. I am willing to leave my home. I'm willing to leave my family, to leave what is familiar to me. And I am willing to go wherever God sends me. As you read the New Testament, you see Paul was willing to go. He traveled from country to country and he preached the gospel. You know, he didn't go alone. He had a Silas with him. He had a Barnabas. He had a Timothy. Many, many people involved in, in the work of the Lord. Will you be one that is willing that is willing to be a servant. A servant doesn't say, let me think what I would like to do. A servant says, I'm, I'm here to serve. Boss, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Not do what do I feel comfortable doing. A servant just shows up and says, I'm your servant. 
That's what the Lord wants us to be servants, to be in His service. Are you willing? When missions matters to us, we will be willing.